Hey. Hey, dog. You don't want to go? Give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Today is Thursday, April 22nd, 2016, and this is episode 12 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. Here as well is Kyle Askin. Howdy. So let's start with the news, the very fun and exciting news that I think we can just blow through really quickly because there's really not that much going on for once. Uh, We had a nice two-week period of you know, some compromise, but not a whole lot of action. So basically where we left off was that uh, Vincent Prieto, who's the assembly speaker in the New Jersey State Assembly, was trying to push his own bill that set up benchmarks for the city where they had a year to um, – basically if they missed some sort of benchmarks after a year – the city could take some actions. If they missed for a second year, those actions would get much more serious. Uh, And then now Steve Sweeney, who is the speaker of the state, or not the speaker, (laughs) the state Senate president, uh, basically has has come back a little bit on his initial bill uh, for the state takeover. And now he's setting 130-day benchmarks, which is obviously much shorter than a year. Uh, and it requires a 40% budget cut. And so one of the things in in this bill uh, is, or one of the things in the description of this bill that keeps popping up is this idea that Atlantic City spends something like $6,700 per resident. Um, and Christie and others have compared that to places like Newark and Camden that are more like $3,500 per resident. And so they're saying, like, look at this, gross overspending when, when bigger cities are, are spending way less per resident. And, and I posted this on the Facebook group, uh, which is basically, you know, I don't have an economics degree. I, I can't make any claim to being an expert, but those comparisons seem just wholly ridiculous because Newark and Camden don't have millions of people a year coming to visit uh, that are, you know, using the infrastructure of the city and require services like police and, you know, fire department and and all that kind of stuff that visitors put a drain on, uh, you know, maybe not as much as residents, but to a significant degree. So obviously, you know, 130 days talking about something like a 40% budget cut. uh, Is this reasonable? Do you think is that a, is that a real compromise or is this just sort of saying here, well, this is, this will look like a compromise, but not really. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Clearly, Atlantic City is a very different city than Camden, than Newark, than really uh, most other cities in New Jersey, with the exception of perhaps some of the shore cities. But uh, just because that so much of what they do is tourism, so there's clearly a lot more people in the city that they have to support uh, than just the residents. So it's not a reasonable thing. It's not something that Atlantic City could ever do, um, even if they wanted to. So, no. So one big thing about this is that, um, and probably the main thing to to gleam from this is that there is this is 
the start of a compromise. So Chris, Chris Christie, the governor, has had said he would not sign anything that was altered at all from the initial bill that had gone to the Senate floor and had passed. So now he seems to be softening on that a bit. Uh, Sweeney's coming in with alterations. So it seems like a compromise could be in the works. Uh, they haven't gotten to that point yet, but you know it's certainly worth watching, and it seems uh, like some sort of compromise could be coming and that this, um, whatever they're calling it, that's effectively a takeover. I think they are calling it a partnership or <laughs> assistance for Atlantic City. Um, maybe some, maybe they'll finally work something out, and it won't be as strict toward Atlantic City as as uh, the initial bill. So, um, handicap it for me, Craig. What do you think the odds are that something gets gets done versus the odds that Atlantic City has to declare bankruptcy? I don't think they'll let it happen. I don't think they'll let. Atlantic City go bankrupt. So I think, I think you know, ninety or ninety-five percent that they get something done. Because once Sweeney moved a little bit toward the benchmarks and sort of said, oh, "Okay, you know, the benchmark thing is kind of basically sort of gives it some credence, right?" And says, "Okay, we will give just a little bit." Once you've given that little bit, like you can't let the deal blow up over this. I don't think you, can. and it's it's not good for anybody in the Senate or the Assembly or the Governor if if Atlantic City declares bankruptcy, which you said uh, last episode. So I think I'm going to say 90 or 95 percent that this gets done. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's quite that high. I would I wouldn't say 95 percent, but I, I do think it's it's very likely that a deal gets done. I'd say between 80 and 90 percent, maybe. But. uh so something I've been thinking about, and it's something that we kind of touched on at the end of the last episode, um, and and this is just my kind of crackpot theory, and you can tell me what you think, is that, you know, I think that we both said last episode or maybe two episodes ago that we think the future is bright for Atlantic City. And so do you think part of this is that kind of all sides involved kind of think the same thing that that Atlantic City is going to have a much brighter future than they've had, you know, the past ten years or whatever, and that they all kind of want to have their name in there and be like, "Hey, look, we did this thing and we really turned Atlantic City around." Uh, when you know that turnaround may just naturally happen because of the circumstances. So that's kind of an optimistic view. I would probably take the more cynical view, which is that nobody wants to have their their name on the list of people who are in the Senate or assembly when Atlantic city totally went under. (laughs) Um, So, and I, and I kind of think that if they are thinking that, then they probably have too short term of expectations of, of any kind of turnaround. I mean, I, I don't know though. So it's something else we talked about last episode that, all eight casinos are doing reasonably well. Uh, something that's not on the, the docket to talk about today that's come out is that it, it's looking with every passing week less and less likely that uh, the people of New Jersey are going to pass the North Jersey casino bill. I mean, I think some more polling came out that makes it look even more unlikely than it looked you know, last time we talked about it. Um you know, the, all the casinos have come out recently in the last couple of days and have said that they're looking to do quite a bit of hiring. Uh, these are the eight casinos existing, plus there's going to be a ninth casino, uh, in theory, that's going to be opening in a couple months. So 
I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just the eternal optimist uh, in our show, and you're the pessimist. That is possible. Um, so one another thing we talked about last episode was the lawsuit over the school payments in Atlantic City, and um, basically the judge in that case had kind of shut it down and said, well, I'm just going to defer to April 19th, which at that point the payment had already been made for the payroll, so it didn't really matter. Uh, so he officially tossed that lawsuit on April 19th, and Atlantic City actually turned around and decided to countersue the state for $33.5 million, which is the basically the size of the hole in the budget that is left because Christie did not sign the payment in lieu of taxes bill. Uh, so that's the amount of money that would have gone to the city for this year's budget if they had passed the pilot bill. And the reason that Atlantic City is countersuing uh, is – they were approved by the state monitor to put this money in the budget, basically with the anticipation that the money would be there uh, and the anticipation that, hey, you know, they've made the changes that Christie asked for in the pilot bill, so they're going to sign it. And so now I don't know where that's going to go. My, again, probably cynical standpoint is that they probably aren't going to get very far in that. You know, a town suing its state is probably not – it doesn't have a high rate of success, but uh, the the $33.5 million is in Casino Redirected Anticipated Payment, or CRAP, and Atlantic City is now using that acronym, which is, is maybe the funniest part, and uh, Amy S. Rosenberg from the Philly Inquirer and Christian Hedrick from the Press of Atlantic City both kind of giggled about this on Twitter about how um, they feel a sense of pride in <laughs> their use of the the crap acronym, and now it's sort of gaining mainstream traction. But I don't, I don't know where this is going to go. It's interesting that they're trying to do this because Christie's sort of used that $33.5 million as like, look at all the money, look at how much bigger the budget keeps getting in the future, and and this is sort of the city's way of saying like, oh yeah, like, you're the reason that that budget's getting bigger because you left this hole in the budget. So I don't know if you have anything to add about these lawsuits. I think I don't think there's really too much to say, but maybe no. you disagree. I think that this lawsuit is quite stupid. I, mean, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how you can sue someone because you said that they claim they would pass a bill and it didn't get passed. Yeah. Uh, just like I don't know how Chris Christie can sue Atlantic City for possibly not making some future payment that they haven't even missed yet. So I don't know. Both of them are dumb. And to sue them to stop making a payment that they're legally required to make. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's stupid. They're both stupid. Yeah. It's the whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, So another thing that happened is that uh, city council president, Marty small took Jersey city mayor, Stephen Fulop, who keeps coming up uh, on a jitney tour of Atlantic city. Uh, And it's funny because Fulop this whole time has been mentioned frequently by Chris Christie as like the guy pulling the strings and keeping the takeover from happening because he wants to be the guy who's very pro-union come the gubernatorial election in New Jersey. Uh, and he's Chris, uh, Christie, Steve Fulop's really kind of laughed that off and said like his, his obsession with me is hilarious. And then he shows up on a jitney tour with the city council president of Atlantic City, and all of a sudden it's just like, hmm, 
how can you say that it's ridiculous when now you, as the mayor of another town that is wholly unrelated to Atlantic City, uh, are on a jitney tour? So the reason, apparently, the reason that they claim for the jitney tour is that Steve Fulop has been pro-casino and wanted a casino in Jersey City, and he wanted to come see Atlantic City and see what it's like and what the consequences are, possibly, of having casino gaming. Um because one of the things that Guardian has said is, oh, you know, if you bring casino gaming, you're going to also have prostitution and other problems that we have here in uh, in Atlantic City and homelessness and all that kind of stuff. So it's it struck me as a little weird because it kind of seemed like Marty Small, who is, you know, obviously a huge representative of the city of Atlantic City, Taking a mayor of another town on a tour to say, look how shitty our town looks. And that seemed like a really bad look to me. (laughs) Um, But if his intended result was to get Steve Fulop, who apparently is a very powerful person in politics, um, to decide that he no longer wanted a casino or decide that he was going to stop supporting North Jersey casinos, he may have gotten his wish because Steve Fulop tweeted something effectively saying, you know, now that I've seen the consequences, I have to rethink my position. He got hit with a lot of backlash, people saying, oh, he's a flip-flopper, and now, like, what, what is this change? And if you really don't want these jobs, somebody from Elizabeth said, if you don't want these jobs, uh, we'll take these jobs in Elizabeth, which... You know, good luck getting New Yorkers to go to Elizabeth, New Jersey, uh, to go to a casino. But I, it seems strange. I think the big thing for for what this means for North Jersey casinos, which, like you said, already doesn't have a lot of support, is that Jersey City is, I think, the second most populated city or third most populated city in New Jersey. So and, and Stephen Fulop is very popular in Jersey City. So if he comes out against this strongly, I think a lot of people in the city that I live in, in Jersey City, are going to go with that. So I think it does hold some sway. At the end of the day, it probably doesn't, you know, swing the election, swing the the referendum either way. But it just seemed kind of odd. And and maybe the more interesting thing to talk about in in reference to this podcast is just this idea that now we've had Guardian kind of I don't want to say bad mouthing Atlantic City, but sort of acknowledging the negative aspects and then Marty Small taking Steve Fulop on a tour of like look at shuttered Revel, look at all the homeless people everywhere. It just seemed kind of weird. But um, I'll link to the article that goes in much more detail. That's an Amy S. Rosenberg article. So that's two references to Amy S. Rosenberg already in this episode, so if you're playing the drinking game, um, you can go ahead and drink. Somebody should make the drinking game. Get on it, Facebook group. Uh, so what are, your, what are your thoughts about uh, taking someone on a tour of the uh, the disaster tour of Atlantic City? So I, I really only have one question, Craig. Was this tour uh, led by the world-famous Atlantic City celebrity Jitney Guy? I hope. I so people were tweeting at him the entire time as as if he was running it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that alone was great. I don't I mean I'm assuming he was not, but yeah, I'm sure he was. It was still it was still a good read. Um but from that, uh moving 
totally away from the news, the politics. Let's finish that talk up. Um, we have some announcements of entertainment, if you call this entertainment. Uh, Atlantic City has announced two beach concerts for the summer, Florida Georgia Line and Toby Keith, which, you know, if you're into diversity in your beach concerts, um, as far as, you know, diversity of musical tastes, I don't know that this is bringing a lot of that, but, you know, there's certainly a huge audience for this around Atlantic City, so they are attracting that audience. I'm sure they will be huge successes and get a ton of people there. So, Toby Keith is going to perform July 23rd. Florida Georgia Line is scheduled for September 3rd. These are two of the concerts that are now under this Live Nation deal um, instead of the Atlantic City marketing arm that handled this before. And so you can look forward to those, July 23rd, September 3rd. I'm sure uh, as we experience, there will be a huge spike in hotel prices those nights. Um, So... Put it on your calendar if you're interested in going to either of those concerts. If you want to see Toby Keith perform the legendary song Red Solo Cup, you can do that while holding a Red Solo Cup on the beach. Um, Although, if you're carrying alcohol like we discussed last episode, you will probably be told to pour it out. Any thoughts on Toby Keith or Florida Georgia Line? So it's... So here's my one thought, and this is something you know much better than I. So it it seems like you sort of mock their lack of musical diversity, but it, it seems like all of their beach concerts are country music. Am I wrong? They I, mean, had I remember Five. Rascal Flatts. Uh, they had Maroon 5 once. Oh, okay. I think. I'm, I hope I'm not just making that up. Seems like a lot of country. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, from what I can gather about South Jersey demographics, I'm sure that it's, like pretty wildly popular around there. But uh, it, it does seem weird that there's not a bit more uh, diversity in in the concerts. So I agree with that. Um, I've literally never heard a Florida Georgia Line song. Well, that's probably not true. I've probably heard one, and I just don't know that it's Florida Georgia Line. Um, Toby Keith, I know more for Toby Keith's I Love This Bar and Grill at Harrah's in Las Vegas, which I don't think is there anymore. Um, but... As far as music that is good to listen to while chilling on a beach, um, you know, country's not a bad choice. Like, poppy sort of mainstream country is, is not a bad choice. Also, I'll, I'll put that out there. I mean, I went to Nashville, and I had a great time listening to, like, country cover bands at Honky Tonks uh, in that, Nashville. So I, I, will, I will give you, uh, that is probably true, and I'm, like, you know, probably the person who likes country Less than than most. I'm not a big country fan, but I, I do agree that it's probably better to know some other stuff when it's like you know, a hundred degrees on the beach and you don't really want to be moving around too much and whatever. Yeah, that so this sounds fine fine to me for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, not going to go. They're both they're both popular artists. I mean, it seems like a perfectly reasonable get for Live Nation. It seems like they're doing a good job of fulfilling their end of the deal. So. So what what musical act? Because we very rarely go out of our way to go to an event. Um, no, yeah. I mean, we scheduled our friend's bachelor party around AC Beer Fest. Um, but other than that, have we ever gone to Atlantic City specifically for an event? No. 
So I don't think so. So what musical act? Have you have you gone? Did did you ever go for like the? There's some hockey tournament there, right? There used to be the ECAC college hockey tournament, um, and I talked about going many times and never did. I've talked about going to the Atlantic City Boardwalk Con and didn't go last year and probably won't go this year since it's a week before we're planning to go down. But no, I don't think I've ever gone specifically for an event. I mean, I've gone to a show or two in Atlantic City because they were going on a weekend that we happened to be there. But uh, I'm trying – yeah, so no, I don't, I've never really gone out of my way to go to an event. Um and this is something we talked about when we were just down there, you know, whatever, a month and a half ago or whenever the last time we were down there was, two months ago, three months ago, two months ago. Sure. That, uh, cause there was, uh, some sort of boxing match in the Boardwalk Hall and we're like, it would be really cool to go see like a fight in Boardwalk Hall. Cause you know, I don't know the long history. That's one of the things that Boardwalk Hall is best known for is hosting a lot of great, uh, boxing. But it didn't happen, and instead you won uh, a hand-paid video poker. I'll take that result over watching some <laughs> boxing. Uh, I mean, I, I I like boxing, so I would have I would have enjoyed going. But so I also enjoy boxing, which is weird because like I I mean I grew, I played hockey my entire life, and I am like very I'm totally like an anti-fighting in hockey pansy, more because I think that the staged fights are ridiculous and kind of useless, but. And, like, UFC just makes me sick to my stomach. Like, I can't even watch it. But I think that's more just the, the like, so much of what I see of UFC is, is a friend of mine who's really into it being like, did you hear about this guy breaking his leg on this other guy's leg? Like, you got to see this. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to be sick. So <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily the violence as much as just, I, like, I just have a really weak stomach for injuries. <laughs> uh-huh. Whereas, you know, boxing gloves are basically pillows, right? Like, they're just... They're they're out there hitting each other with those uh, what were those things called? Those inflatable <laughs> hand things that kids had for a while. Sockum boppers, sockum boppers. That's a '90s kid reference for you. So, uh, so yeah, I'm actually quite surprised to hear that you like boxing. I, I absolutely would have never ever put you down as someone who would enjoy the sweet science, but uh, I I quite enjoy MMA and and boxing. So pretty much any combat sport, I'm always down for. So. Boxing to I mean I think a lot of my there's sort of an overlap of bo- my boxing interest and Atlantic City interest in that there's sort of this romanticized history right of, mm-hmm. of both those things and, and yeah, absolutely and for boxing I mean the history is it's it's another thing that you know the current state of boxing is not great necessarily although big fights are still That's, huge I mean so uh, I I. I will say I don't think that's true. I will say the current state of boxing in the United States of America is not great, but boxing is still quite popular around the world in in Europe and in places like Mexico and in Asia. I mean, it's still very popular, but in the United States, it, it isn't really as much. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, you know, we grew up with, it was all heavyweight, right? It was all the big heavyweight fights. And that's really... You know, that I think somewhere along the line, people realize that the heavyweight fights are kind of a lot of clutching and grabbing and not that exciting. And, you know, it's gone. Uh, I mean, I, I think the big problem with with heavyweights is that uh, they're really 
hasn't been too many great heavyweights in recent history. So sort of, let's say, since Mike Tyson, great, great American heavyweights in recent history. And I, I think a lot of that has to do, and, and even before that probably, but a lot of that has to do that if you're like this, you know, A-plus athlete that is, you know, a man who would be 6'5 and weigh 250 pounds, like, you're not going to be trying to make your living doing boxing when you can do something like football or basketball instead. That yeah, that's and make absolutely. way more money. I mean, I mean that's just why America doesn't produce great heavyweights anymore, and all the great heavyweights are coming out of sort of uh, you know Central and Eastern Europe these days, or a lot of them are anyway. And and even, I mean, same argument for soccer. Not to get so down into this rabbit hole that we've already gone down, but yeah, you know, same thing with soccer. Anybody who's that fast and agile is a wide receiver in football, and not out on the soccer field. Like, that's just not the way that Americans prioritize their sports. Uh, I, I actually have a lot of thoughts of that. I think it goes a bit deeper, but I think we're we're getting sort of too far <laughs> off topic. But We'll start a whole other podcast about weird um, yeah. sort of alternative sports. Not I, I will say I think a big problem with soccer is it's generally like a very white-collar sport, and uh, I don't think there's a lot of incentive for people to want to put their kids through the kind of soccer education that people get in other countries, like, you know, having them drop out of school at eight and stuff. I mean, that not many people who are like you and me really want to have their kids do that and put all their eggs in the soccer basket. Yeah, that's, you know, you could teach a class on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> because there's so much going on there. But anyways, <laughs> uh, because, you know, soccer is one of those sports like basketball where all you need is a soccer ball and you can play. Uh, but, Anyways, get, moving on. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so what I wanted to ask you was: Is there any act that would get you to go out of your way to go to a weekend that you were not going to, and brave the crowds and go to the beach for a beach concert in Atlantic City? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a big music guy in general. I mean, I I enjoy it, but uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I'm you're more into music than I am, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that I would really go out of my way for. And, and like the kind of bands that I that I really really like would be like not great to listen to on the beach in like a hundred degree weather. Right. I mean, if if like Coheed and Cambria played, I would have to go. But again, like I don't know that that's necessary. Like I'd rather see them in a small venue indoors than <laughs> out on the beach. And they actually. Played in Asbury Park, I think, at an outdoor venue last year, and I didn't go. So, you know, if I didn't go to some place that's half as far away as Atlantic City, I don't know why I say I'd go to Atlantic City. It's uh, a reason to go to Atlantic City. That is a good point. I don't really need a lot of. Re I don't really have a reason to go to Asbury Park. Um, so, random, totally random thing that I'm just going to throw out at this point in in the podcast, just because I want to plug something that I really like that is Atlantic City related, related is. There's a band that I only heard about because they followed our Twitter account. And I was like, who is this guy? And clicked on his link, and it's a band called Tough Turf, T-U-F-F-T-U-R-F, -F -F, just like the movie um, back in the day starring Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader. Their logo is the same logo as the movie. Uh, they just released a new album and are having an album release party at the Boneyard Bar and Grill on Saturday, April 30th at 8 p.m., and so their music, I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, and the way they describe it, 
is nihilist new wave, which I think nails it. I mean, and so I, that's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm just going to, you know, say very clearly, you know, if you go there and you say you don't like it, I'm not going to be offended. But I have been listening to their stuff like on loop since I first heard it. And it's just, you know, there's a couple, there's another band that was kind of similar to them, uh, Hail Social, that I got super, super into. And then their lead singer was just this crazy dude who quit and started making like weird remixes of other songs. But anyways, uh, if you're interested in that kind of music, check it out. Toughturf.bandcamp.com. You can listen to all their stuff for free. Uh, and then they've got their album release party at the Boneyard Barn Grill in Atlantic City on April 30th. Uh, so just a quick plug for an Atlantic City-based band. So that's something worth worth mentioning. So moving on to maybe the most interesting thing of the week is that Glenn Straub has somewhat come out of out of his shell. I don't. Does he need to come out of his shell? Probably not. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's really come out. I mean, he's always been out of his shell. He, I think. Yeah, out of his shell. Take that however you want it. Um, he has done a couple of interviews and and talked about his plans and talked about things that are totally unrelated to his plans and his voting intentions, which we don't need to get into, but. Um, so a few things that came up in a Forbes article that's just an interview, you know, just classic Q&A style. Here's the question. Here's the answer. Uh, some things that came up. St- he still wants Showboat, which actually I'm not sure that that came out in the in that article. I'll look for another link. But he he thinks that Showboat or that Stockton College did, negotiated in bad faith, basically, in selling to uh, – to Bart Blatstein, and and now uh, he is trying to fight them in court. So he's still trying to get the showboat, not giving up on that. I don't think that that's going to go anywhere. But anyways, Forbes interview, he said some stuff, and I think that's as accurate (laughs) as I can sum that up. Uh, So he said, you know, he's trying to get away from having Revel seen as a casino, which, you know, I hate to break it to you, but it's a casino in a casino town. Uh, and basically he's saying, you know, it's going to have all this other stuff. And he went into detail on some of those, what some of those things are. He wants to host art events similar to Art Basel in Miami. Obviously he's Miami or South Florida based. He wants to build some kind of weird dome that'll host equestrian events 12 months a year. Uh, and how, he's saying like, you know, in, down in Florida, they only have equestrian events a few months a year. We're going to have it 12 months a year because of our, our dome. Um, these, they're going to do anti-aging uh, treatments where they'll replace. This is a quote: they will, they'll replace any organ in your body that's not doing well. Um, so that's some dystopian future stuff. They're going to have frozen mountains and ski runs, which sounds cool. But they've tried to do that in the Meadowlands at the Xanadu slash American Dream slash whatever you want to call it that has been incomplete for something like eight or ten years. Um, So he's got a lot of ideas. He also said, you know, all of this, all taking all these ideas into consideration and how it's going to sort of make Revel this resort that's not a gambling place. Gambling is secondary. So his quote was, that allows my daughters to accept the fact that their estates are not going into gaming facilities, but more into a category they'll be proud of. 
And so the Forbes uh, interviewer, um, who was Susan Adams, um, said, kind of pushed him on it and said, oh, so you don't think gaming's something to be proud of, but you bought a casino. <laughs> and so he said, I, you know, I don't think gaming's, he said, I, don't, I also don't think gaming is something to be proud of. For every dollar wagered, you're guaranteed to lose 40%. It should only be entertainment, which I think, you know, probably most people would agree with. Uh, it should only be an entertainment, not a way of life. The Revel will be will not be known as a casino. It will be known as a resort with up to 3,700 rooms. So, you know, all of that, he says, they're, so, oh, and, and so Susan Adams also asked him, you know, Trump Taj Mahal was sort of the, the Revel of, of the 90s when it opened and sort of this big thing that was supposed to usher in the future of Atlantic City. Um, and and quickly went bankrupt because it was so heavily leveraged. And so Glenn Straub said, you know, we're totally debt free. He he doesn't buy anything that he can't pay cash for. Uh, so that's kind of, I think that kind of sums up the interview. I'll link to it. But, you know, out of all that, uh, there's a lot of sort of big ideas, long shot stuff that I assumed that he'd given up on when he announced that it was going to be a water park and and an obstacle course, which is kind of the low-hanging fruit and not at all the, the big grand ideas that he had. Um, and the latest thing is that he is now saying that the obstacle course portion of his water park obstacle course will be open on June 15th. He said that for a while, but now he's sort of doubling down Ruben Kramer reported in the press of Atlantic City that this will be a three-story high obstacle course. Uh, Kramer's quote was, think Nickelodeon Guts meets American Ninja Warrior, which, thinking about it, it sounds kind of interesting. And so Straub says that it's going to show up in two weeks, guaranteed, he says, with everything done by June 15th. Uh, So, you know, we talked sort of a little bit about the idea that can he really get this done? By June fifteenth, he says, "Guaranteed." That's his words. What do you think? Are we going to see a three-story high Nickelodeon guts aggro crag by June fifteenth? Maybe. I mean, I don't see why not. I don't think it'd be that hard to build. Yeah, I'm sort of it's not. You know, they have this massive entryway that is just open space. So, oh, that would be awesome if that's where that goes. I think it is where it's going to go, right? <sighs> Now I'm now I'm excited about it. I was totally thinking this is dumb. You know what I want, Kyle? Is I want it to be an obstacle course that gets you to the casino. <laughs> you have to go up the you have to like climb the wall to get to the casino. You have to put on a little helmet and climb the aggro crag and gra- like dodge foam boulders and like American gladiator type dudes with big Q-tips whatever those things are called, um, Mm -hmm. trying to hit you and knock you down before you make it up to the casino. Or you can just go hit the elevator button, but that's no fun. Um, Well, unless you're in the hotel tower, and then you can't hit the (laughs) elevator button, as we know. Oh, boy. Whoever designed that, so sad. Uh, The Revel. So, (laughs) wow, yeah, that actually makes me kind of excited for the obstacle course. Because I think, I mean, that's... if, If you walked in... So the escalators and the sort of grandness of the entrance, it made a statement at the Revel. And it was class and grandeur. This would make a totally different statement 
And that is a statement that I am 100% on board with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. If it's Although I, I do worry about this idea that basically saying it shows up in two weeks, which would be, we'll say, May 1st, effectively. I think this came out in uh, earlier this week. Uh, and then they have 45 days, effectively, to put this thing together. So is that – that's not that much time. I mean, I mean that, that's a decent amount of time, actually. Yeah, it's. I think it's enough time. I don't think. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of like the ropes courses or whatever around where I live now, and I don't. I don't think there's all that much to put in together. So, is this a recipe for success? Like, what? <laughs> I. Uh, it's so out there. I'm just confused about who the target demographic is. Right. Right. So, I, I think there's a couple of the things you said. So. One, you seem surprised that Glenn Stroud was saying like this kind of crazy shit, and you said you thought he kind of gave that up. But uh, I mean, I, I think it's just Glenn Stroud being Glenn Stroud. I think he's always going to have these huge ideas, ninety-eight percent of which are so far-fetched that they're not even almost worth talking about. But uh, I mean, I, I think he's going to keep having them, and I just think that's who he is. And I think he's going to be happy to talk about them to whatever publication wants to come interview him. Um, I mean, he's, and he's going to live to be 120. Is right. that what he said? Did he say older than that? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, it'll have the, the cryogenesis going, so it's good. Um, and the other thing you said about, about this being all over the place, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Like, every time I hear about everything he's going to say, it's like... You know, I'm just reminded back to, you know, taking classes as MBA and it's like something that got drilled into our brains is like you can't be everything to everyone. You need to find a niche and stick with it. And, you know, that's not what he's doing. He's wants there to be a casino and nightclubs. Well, at least some nightclubs, not the nightclubs that were doing unsavory stuff, according to him. But uh uh, but also like these family water parks and obstacle courses and, and whatever else. And it, it's like he's trying to please absolutely everyone. And I think generally that doesn't end up well. But I, I'm interested to see what happens. You know, if if nothing else, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Or Glenn Straub's wild ride. Oh, that would be a great name for the casino. That would be so good. Uh, oh, so he said 105. He, so the quote is, I want, I might want to live to 105. After that, you shrivel up too much. Uh, or you might want to see who wins the election when Trump's kid runs. Uh, let's not get into that. <laughs> Which one, though? Which one? That's a good point. There's so many options. Yeah, um, didn't specify. So, so he says that he still plays polo like he's 20 years old. Um, which, more power to him. I feel like I play hockey like I'm 50 years old. So, uh, The other thing out of... This whole Ruben Kramer article uh, and and Glenn Straub's week of quotes is they have not yet selected a casino operator. Uh, so if they hope to open by June 15th, it seems like that's something they should get on top of. But they, he says they're down to two, and that's what they're going to choose between. There's no indication of who those two are. I won't even have sort of guess because I don't even really know who the players are. Uh, right who sort of would be the free agents. Um, but, I mean, I guess really it could kind of be anyone, right? So 
we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting to see once he announces that because I think I think that's an underrated uh, aspect of of all of this um, because. As we said, Borg is just managed so well. The casino end of it is managed so well. And I feel like, you know, Tropic or Tropicana. Uh, well, Tropicana has been managed fairly well. And now you see them moving the management of Trump, um, Taj Mahal, to under that same company. Resorts is now managed by Mohegan Sun. And I feel like they're doing some, some interesting things. Maybe I only say that because they're giving me Friday night comps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who he picks. I mean, if he ends up picking someone like just totally out there, uh, you know, like remember when was it Poker Stars was trying to buy Atlantic Club? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about it during the the show, but Poker Stars is now the uh, like poker partner of resorts. Right. So, I, so you can play Poker Stars in New Jersey now. Yes. So I, I can't. Or soon. I can't imagine that. They would be the casino manager, but, you know, that would be an, an out-there choice. Uh, but I would assume he's going to go for somebody that has an easier route to... Yeah, I, I don't think it would be poker stars. To a casino license, yeah. So, any other thoughts on Stroud? Seeing how they've already been rejected once for a <laughs> casino license. Yeah, that's, that's probably not the way to go. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, I think he's going to continue having interviews done with him, and he's going to continue to say outlandish stuff. And I, at this point, I'm just I'm excited. I want to see what he does. And I'm not excited necessarily because I think it'll be good. And I'm not excited because it'll be bad. It's just going to be weird, I think. And I'm I'm interested to see. So expanding on that, I think I'm really interested to see. It's probably going to be... I mean, I think Revel just begs you to spend time there if you give it a chance because it's it's so the the public spaces are so well done and inviting and sort of interesting obviously that didn't they didn't get enough people through the door to experience those things for them to actually convert people to be regular customers right i mean they made a lot of big mistakes but you know i'm going to want to go there when it opens i'm going to want to go check it out and see what this obstacle course is. I don't know that I'm going to actually want to spend any money. Like I may just go and be like, Oh, Hey, there's the obstacle course and leave. So I don't, and I can't really see myself doing much more than just sort of being a spectator. And that is kind of what worries me is that it's going to be this thing that everybody goes and walks by and says, Oh, huh. So that's that. And then they leave. Although, I guess there's a tried and true history of that in Vegas. I mean, that's why there's a volcano in front of Mirage and there's a big fountain in front of Bellagio and and whatever else you want to talk about, the, the Caesars show and the forum shops at Caesars. But, um, I, I'm, you know, the converting that to dollars, I'm a little skeptical, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I mean, any... The reason I'm so interested is anything could happen. It could it could end up being uh, it's not going to be wildly successful, I think, but it could be reasonably successful, or it could be just like a complete train wreck. I have no idea. If it is really successful, I will uh, I just totally tip my hat and say this guy's just a business genius, and like he's just on another level from all of us. I mean, I, I I do think he's very business savvy. I mean, I, I in episode number one, I believe I said he was crazy, but I think he was crazy like a fox, and I think he's 
he's sort of proven that out with what's happened after that with him buying the energy company and everything else. But uh, I'm super interested. I mean, I think this is kind of like way outside of his comfort zone and the kind of stuff he usually does. So I'm I'm with you 100%. I think if nothing else, it is so interesting. Every time he speaks, I want to read what he says. And I absolutely am just dying to see what he comes up with and, and go see what the new version of Rebel looks like. Yep. Uh, so I posted a new blog post and I, if I sound hesitant about that, it's because I posted it and it just landed with a resounding thud. Um, so I made a post basically because a friend of ours, um, emailed me saying, Hey, I'm going to Atlantic city this weekend. I'm not a gambler. I'm not in any of the players clubs. How do I find a discount room? And so my typical answer to how to find the best rates is, you know, go gamble and then get the best rates on your next trip. <laughs> because, I mean, that's the truth. That's in a, in a gambling town, that's the best way to get good rates. But, you know, I've certainly looked in summers when my total rewards rates were in the two or $300 and, and gone through the whole process of trying to find discounts. So I figured, you know, let me write that up in a blog post and see if anybody finds finds this interesting. And so I posted on Twitter, nobody seemed interested, no retweets, no likes. I posted on the Facebook group and people, you know, nobody had anything to say. Uh, so, and it didn't get that many views. So, you know, if you want to go see it, uh, there are some tips there for you. Things like, um, you know, going to Priceline Express deals and Hotwire Hot Rates where you can kind of figure out which, what casino it is based on the amenities, if you know the amenities, or Hotel Tonight where everything's posted uh, at noon that day. Um, there's some other discount options that you can get through Caesars, like if you're a military um, personnel, student, teacher, uh, you can register with ID.me. That's actually something that I think I can't recommend enough. If you're a student, teacher, military personnel, or, or a first responder, you should register through ID.me because you can get... 15% off your Caesars rooms. Um, and I think that includes off of your discount. So if you if your room's not comped, but it's discounted, so say you have a Friday night that's 100 bucks, you can get your 15% off. Um, so check that out. Uh, the one downside of that, which I, I've done, um, because I did book once using that discount, is that if you use it, you cannot call them and rebook at a lower rate if the rate becomes lower you actually have to cancel and then rebook um so that's something to keep in mind but anyways uh if you want to check that out go check it out it's under the resources tab on the top menu of the site at doforawin.com um just go to resources and then click the link for uh finding discounted rooms and you'll see all that description there's also a description of some of the non-casino hotels just because they're typically cheaper um, but, you know, without getting too much into that, because I expect most of the people listening to this podcast don't need options for discounted rooms that are not provided directly by <laughs> the casinos for their play. Um, because really, you know, even if you just are a member of something like Tropicana, you're still going to get the sale emails, right? Even if you're a Total Rewards member, you're still going to get the sale emails. Um, so, for example, Trop just sent an email today saying, hey, we're doing a spring sale, and you go, and it's $119 for next Friday, which is cheaper than you can get on 
like Hotels.com or any of those sites. So uh, that's a very rambly way of saying to go check out our blog post. Um, but I expect most of you don't need it, which probably speaks to the fact that you are bigger gamblers than most of the people who email me asking that question. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a valuable blog post. I think that it, it may not necessarily be valuable for the people who are listening right now, but uh, hopefully it, it helps other people out there. So the one thing I'm terrified is that of is that somebody goes to like Trip by Wyndham, T-R-Y-P, which used to be the Ascot Motel, which was kind of like a kind of a crap hole. Um, I mean, that's judging by like Yelp reviews. And, and Wyndham you know, it got brought under this Wyndham umbrella and got a rebranding and it's, they did just enough to like close off the, the entry of the stairways so that you actually have to go through the lobby to get to the stairways. Um, so that they could call it a hotel and not a motel. Like it's all the doors still face outside, but it, they, they say it, technically it's a hotel. Um, and somebody actually posted on Yelp or on TripAdvisor, one of the two saying like, this is a, a motel, like calling this a hotel is ridiculous. And they responded like, Actually, uh, you know, they pushed up their glasses and they said, well, actually, it's an enclosed entrance, so it is a hotel. Um, anyways, I, I'm terrified that someone will go there and be like, this is garbage, and you sent me there. So I put in the post that, you know, I'm not endorsing these places. I'm just saying, like, these are cheap options. Um, I do specifically say don't stay at the annex at the Chelsea because that has just terrible reviews. But um Please, if you go, let us know. If, you, if you've been to any of these places and they, they suck, I will remove that from this blog post if I hear enough people say, and enough I mean like one or two, say right. like, like Trip by Wyndham is crap or like the days in on the boardwalk is, is just like completely not, it's, you know, I walked in and I left right away because it just wasn't even worth spending a night. Um, but, you know, I kind of went by the TripAdvisor reviews and, and hopefully I'm not steering anybody totally wrong here. No, honestly, I mean, we'd love to hear it because, like, you know, we haven't stayed in many properties in Atlantic City that aren't casinos, and we're not particularly likely to, I wouldn't think, so. Yeah, and I think there's a, it's it's useful because, I, especially if you're going during the summer, a lot of times those hotels beat the casino rates by quite a bit, and a lot of times they beat even, even my casino discount, discount rates by quite a bit. Uh, so, so I don't know, I mean, we're, what? 50 minutes in. I don't know if you want to, if little, you want to, a little more, if you want to talk about, uh, our future trip that we've, we've mentioned a bit. We're, we're talking about going what May 19th to 20th, I think. And yeah. tried, tried to plan a two night trip and it seems like that might not work out. Um, May 20th to 21st. Yeah. So a Friday into a Saturday. Yeah. So there was some talk of, uh, of like you going, so I, you can't do Sunday and I can't do Thursday. <laughs> yeah, Saturday night's real is tough for me just cuz of, you know, if if I go during the week, it's a bit easier for my wife with my my newly turned 6-month-old because she's in daycare during the weekdays, but if I went for a weekend night like Saturday night, she'd have them all day Saturday and all day Sunday, and that would be tough. Yeah, whereas I can't like my wife. Yeah, you drop you drop your kid off at daycare every day, so you can't do a weekday. Yeah, my, and my wife is gone is already on her way to work before daycare even opens. So it's not like you know, unless she's gonna just leave the baby with a note saying like, "Please feed at 9 a.m." <laughs> um, that's not an option. So, 
So we kind of tried to figure out some way to finagle it where, you know, like some friends would go Thursday to Saturday and some people would go Friday to Sunday. But I don't know. It doesn't really seem like that's going to play out. Um, You know, I've jokingly said a few times, like, maybe we should just go to Vegas. But (laughs) I don't think anybody's on board for that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. One thing that we've talked about with that is the potential of meeting up with anyone who is a listener who is interested and, you know, that could be just as simple as us tweeting regularly, you know, hey, we're at this Gao poker table in wherever, or we're, or we're going to play Royal Derby at the Tropicana, which I'm just absolutely we desperate to play. Uh, they posted a video that I posted on the Facebook group, um, reposted, that was just so corny, but so perfect that I it was so good. I really want to go. Like all all those people have to be execs at Tropicana, right? They're I think they're the hosts. Oh, are they? Cuz they posted right before they posted the video, they said like who do which VIP host or which uh player development host okay. do you want to win? And like, they didn't it was super obvious won. that they were not actors though, and they were people who worked at Tropicana. Oh, oh yes. It was great. Uh so definitely go to our Facebook group and and look at that. Um so, you know, if if we're there on a night that works, we well, we may also do sort of a meetup where we say, hey, we're going to be at a bar at, you know, six or whatever, grab a couple of drinks, and then we'll go try to take over a craps table or take over a, you know, I don't know, a blackjack or a pie guy poker table. So uh, look out for that on our social media. Um, certainly we'd post it in the Facebook group and on Do For A Win, uh, on the Do For A Win Twitter, which is just at Do For A Win. Uh, and, you know, it would be great to see some people and, and put faces to names that, have emailed us so um you know i think we might as well go ahead and wrap this thing up eh keep this episode pretty concise yep so i just want to you know continue to thank everybody who's posting to the facebook group if you see anything atlantic city related um and you think it's worth discussing go ahead and post it there uh it's got you know 30 some odd people who are all excited about atlantic city and want to talk about it so that's cool that's at facebook.com slash groups slash do for a win um, obviously, our website's doforawin.com. That's where you'll find all the links that we talked about in this episode. You will find um, the blog post that I wrote that got no traction at all. <laughs> um, and you can also post any comments that you want to post there. Our our uh, our podcast, that's what this thing is, right? A podcast. That's on iTunes. You can search Do For A Win on iTunes. It's also on Stitcher Radio now. Um, we've added it to Stitcher thanks to a suggestion from, I think, Mike C., (laughs) who said we needed to get on Stitcher. So I said, hey, I'll do that. So I went ahead and got us on Stitcher. And after initially getting on Stitcher with a feed that apparently would not update, I think I fixed it. So hopefully this episode shows up on Stitcher. Uh, And then Twitter, like I said, at win. Send any questions you have to win at gmail.com. We may discuss them on the air. And just thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you're heading to Atlantic City this weekend or next weekend, have a good time and good luck at the tables. Yep. Have a nice couple of weeks, and uh, we'll talk to you on uh, weekend of May 6th. It was actually Ed that said we need to get on Stitcher. Oh, shit. Not like... I was even thinking it was Ed. Well, you can chop there and have a nice uh, uh, post-episode soundbite.